Hey, that's one of my favorite bumpers because at the end it says, Welcome to the Vineyard, and we love seeing you at the Vineyard. Uh, we're glad that you're here this morning. We hope that you are looking for God to say something to you specifically. My name is Joe Wood. I'm the senior pastor here, and uh, I just want to share a thing or two with you because um, college students are near and dear to my heart. So uh, I just want to talk to those of you that are college students here um, this morning if I can. Um, you came in, you came past something called lunch. If you're a, a junior or older college student, that's for you. If you come in and you say, hey, what do you have for college students? We want you to get involved in small groups. You're with 15 or 16,000 college students all week. We're not going to plug you into a just college student small group. We want you with a cross demographic that can help you navigate the things that you're going to enter into in life, and you can get some of their experience as you do it. So that's that's really what we do. But probably the, the thing that you're going to hear the most about is this thing that we call mooching off the pastor, okay? Now, as the pastor, I'm just letting you know, come mooch. It's okay. Um, what we're going to do is every single Sunday after this service, if you are a traditional student, whether it's Berea, whether it's BCTC, whether it's, um, 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 what's the one nearby? EKU. Yeah, that one. Okay. <laughs> Listen, it has been a long week and some of you know. Okay. So EKU, um, we are excited to invite you to our home. Now we've had as many or as few as seven students at our home. We've had as many as 77 students for lunch at our home after um, church. We do this, my wife and I, since we've been in ministry. We believe in you. Our goal is that you're going to come to our home. You're going to watch football. You're going to have a home-cooked meal. Um, it's not going to be fried. It's not going to be microwaved. It's not going to be um, store-bought. It is going to be homemade on Saturday morning, and you are welcome to come on in. If you are parents in here dropping your, your, your young people off to college, please know that every once in a while when you come to visit or something, just hit me up because you might want to come over to the house and see what's going on in their lives. We would love to. To have you there. So please. Now, the truth of the matter is, I just picked out um, the mooching um, announcement because it's near and dear to my heart um, as, as, a, as an excuse to be up on this stage, okay? Because I'm not the one that's going to be sharing with you today. Um, those of you that know our family know that our 27-year-old youngest son uh, was in a head-on collision um, a week ago Thursday. Um, and um, I want you to continue to pray for the young lady that hit him. Um, it was a college student on her way to school is what I was made to understand. Um, he um, broke his leg, broke his pelvis, cut his hip really bad, um, broke his collarbone, broke his hand, and, and we're thanking God. And the reason I'm up here, I want to thank you for your prayers personally. That's, that's why I'm here today. Otherwise, I would be home with my wife, who's also struggling. Please pray for her because it was a perfect storm because last week was our 10-year celebration. I'm, I'm just here to tell you, if you're following us, this is what spiritual attack looks like. This is spiritual warfare. This church has been here for 10 years. It's going to be here should God tarry for the next 10 years, and we're not going to shut up, and we're not going to sit down. We are going to push the kingdom of God forward even when the kingdom of darkness pushes back. We're not going to let up. If my son had died, and the officer told me it was, he didn't understand why there was not a fatality in that accident from the looks of things when he, when he came up on it. If my son had died, I want you to know something. God is still good. I want you to know that from me personally. God is still good. Yet though he slay me, still will I serve him. That's the way it's going to be. I'm telling you, Psalm 139 says you can't stay on this planet past your time, okay? And you can't leave before your time. 
Read Psalm 139 for yourself. Every day ordained for you was written down in his book. What that means is you can trust God. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your gifts. Please keep praying for us. The healing process is going to be a while for both my wife and my son. She wasn't in the car. It was just an an outside attack from somewhere else. Um, We've got a surgery looking at for her Um, real quick, and I'll get off the stage. But she has a 10-centimeter cyst on one of her ovaries that needs to come off. And so um, she has an appointment this week to talk to a doctor about it. And as you can imagine, it's got her down just a little bit. And if you know my wife, Asking her to sit down is not a reality, okay? And clearly, she is proving to you that I am not the boss of her, okay? I do not tell her what to do, okay? That being said, I am so thankful for a church that can jump in and continue to move forward, and we don't have to be there. One of the most powerful things said to me last weekend when I sat way back there because I just needed some normal in my life, so I came to church. This man said to me, he said, you know what? Ten years ago, Joe Wood didn't need the vineyard. The the vineyard needed the Wood family. Ten years later, the vineyard doesn't need Joe Wood or the Wood family. The Wood family needs the vineyard. And that is the truth, and that is because of you. And that is because people like Jack Hoskins, I can call at the drop of a hat. The husband of our children's minister is an outstanding man of God, and I'm so excited about this word. I've already heard it once, but I'm excited about it. And so we're going to invite him up here to share with you what the Lord has laid on his heart this morning. God bless you, and thank you for your prayers. All right. Good morning, Vineyard. So show of hands. Real quick, who got to experience a little bit of the 10-year anniversary? Like, you got one day, three days, it doesn't matter. Raise your hand if you got to experience some of it. All right, not that many. Interesting. So, look, let me encourage you. It was an amazing weekend. It was just outstanding, right? Like, starting with Friday with Kevin Canterbury, going into Saturday with Pastor Joe, Sunday, we had the national director, Phil Stroud. It was just outstanding. And even the worship, man, some of the strongest, most, I don't know, just the most close to God I've ever felt is in this weekend. I remember spending back um, the weekend in the production booth back there. And especially like Saturday, when Pastor Joe was sharing his message, and he was talking about the ante room, right? He was like, again, super, super condensed undersimplified version of this, so watch the message if you need it, but the ante room. We're stuck in the ante room, and you got a choice of coming out, and we're, this is where you want to be, is in this room. This is where we need to go, but we're in the ante room. It's kind of like the waiting room, so we got to make that decision. Are we going to step out and get to where we need to be? And so I'm sitting back there, and I'm I'm feeling it, man. I'm getting fired up. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. We're gonna go. Where's that door? Where's the door to the room? We'll kick that door in. We're gonna go to like I was just on fire, man. It felt great. So then riding the high of the weekend, Pastor Joe, he, he contacts me on Monday. He's like, Hey, uh, you you wanna speak this weekend? I'm like, Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll do this. Let's go. Let's do it. I'm all excited. I start recounting the events of the of the weekend. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Friday was great, Saturday. Huh. Uh-oh. I, I got to follow that. Like, is, is it too late to back out now? Can I be like, no, nah, I'm, I'm sick. I'm good. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. My confidence started here, but then the more I thought about having to follow this, it just started dwindling down, right? 
So today that's what we're going to talk about a little bit is confidence. So when I say the word to you, confidence, what do you think of? Like what comes to mind? Have you watched Lion King, the, the remake here lately? And you, you see Mufasa, he's up there talking to Simba and he's all big and bad. And you can just, like you hear James Earl Jones' voice, just, man, that's confidence, right? Or maybe there's someone in your life that you've looked up to and who's always been there for you. Maybe, maybe that's where you see confidence. Maybe you hear your spouse saying, it's not confidence, that's cocky, you big jerk. <laughs> that's been said in my house before. Now, I try to talk to Angie about being humble all the time. She just won't listen to me. I mean, <laughs> if you guys know Angie, you know that's not true at all. I, I, it's the other way around. So, NFL season, right? This is it. This is the week. This is the week we've been waiting on. We had college this past weekend. This Thursday is the first game. Man, I'm excited. Finally get to get some NFL stuff, right? And so it's only fitting that we have a little bit of talk about the NFL. We get to get a little bit of example from it. So when I hear confidence, what I, what I immediately think of is that quarterback, you know? That, that seasoned, talented quarterback like that, that seasoned, <laughs> talented quarterback like Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers or... No, 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 no. I'm kidding. Look, if y'all don't know, Pastor Joe is a huge Patriots fan, loves Tom Brady. I get it. I, like, for me, I, I love Michigan football. Tom Brady play, played for Michigan, so I'm good. I'm all in. Go, go Brady. All right, but why? Why do I think of this? Well, they are the ones that you kind of put the game in their hands. When you need to play, when you need to score, when you, when you need to push the ball downfield, they're the ones you give the ball to. They're the reliable ones. They're the team captains. They're the ones you can count on time and time again. Now, a big part of that confidence that they have is courage. I mean, think about it. They're on the field with 21 other guys, and you've got half of them running this way, running different zigzags, and you've got half of them running at him, and he's got... He's got to look over this field. And he's looking for that small window to be able to throw the ball to his receiver. And while this is happening, there's 300-pound refrigerators running at him. It's, well, it's nothing more than put his butt in the dirt. Right? It, look, it's been measured that some of these uh, linebackers and stuff can, can hit with the tackling force of 1,600 pounds. I don't care who you are or how many pads you're wearing. That's going to hurt, Right? But they stay in the pocket, and they make the throw. And they, they're counted on, right? In the middle of all that chaos, you can rely on them. They've got that courage. So if courage exists there, where does it exist for you in your life? Could it be standing up for someone who's being bullied or abused? Could it, could it mean telling the truth when you know it's going to cost you something? Could it, could it be finally asking out that girl that you just wanted to for so long, right? So like I thought when I wrote this down, it's like I'll lean on the podium, give a little suave look to the crowd. But then I thought, you ain't got no game. What are you doing? Like, really? Like, thankful. Like, I am super thankful for a guy named Alan Miracle. Uh, growing up back home, he, he kind of introduced me and Angie and said, hey, you guys need to date. And so, man, if it wasn't for him and whatever glasses that he makes 
Angie Ware to see me through, I would still be single today. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So we see that courage is a part of confidence. But what about comfort? Yeah, comfort can't exist without confidence there. All right? Think, think about, like, comfort food or that warm, comfortable blanket or that friend that you can always lean on. These are things that make you feel safe, comfortable, right? If you're having a bad day, you can sit down with that comfort food and it just feels good. Or if you're cold, you can wrap up in that blanket and it just feels good, right? Or if you need that shoulder to lean on, you've got that friend that you can always turn to and they're there. These are reliable things. These are people or objects that have have been there, and you can trust that they're going to make you feel better, right? So today we're going to look at a story in 2 Kings about Elisha and his confidence. We're going to see how that relates to us. Starting in chapter 6, verse 8, it says, When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, We'll mobilize our forces at such and such place. But immediately Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel. Do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, Which of you is the traitor? Who's informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet of Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words that you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Let's pray. God, I thank you for these moments that we get to share together. God, I thank you for the spirit we've already felt. And God, I thank you for this this past weekend. God, as we move forward, we just pray that you be with us, that you lead and guide us and direct our steps, and the decisions are made to, to further your kingdom, God. God, I ask one more time. For the Holy Spirit to come. Make up for my humanity. And in Jesus' name. I love military history, right? Like, especially World War II stuff. So, when I read this story, my imagination immediately goes there. Like, I see the king, he's, he's in his war room, right? He's got this big table, he's got all these maps laid out. Like, he's got all the major roads marked, he's got some of the, the off roads marked, he's got topographical maps out that's showing elevation and dips and valleys. He's got little figures that he's kind of sitting there showing where, where the different armies are laid out on this, on, in the region. And he's surrounded by his people. He's got his lieutenants. He's got his captains. They're all making plans. Like, oh, yeah, right here. This is the place. Yeah, if we, if we set up an ambush right here, when they come by, we've got them. We, we can win, right? So he gives his final orders, and the armies are sent out on their way. And so they set up their ambushes, but what happened? Israel never comes by. Why? Elisha's been hearing from God and telling the king, hey, they're setting up here. We can't go that way. And they didn't. God kept them safe. Now, this tells me one thing. Having confidence in God is believing that he knows best. You see, the king could have been like, Well, they're coming this way, and we know it. So if they're setting up their ambush, let's get there first, and we'll set up our own. We'll trap them. We'll defeat them. And this whole thing's over right here. But God said, no. It's not the plan. And God kept them safe. He kept them protected. So when you face your battles, 
when you face your wars and your ambushes and stuff that pop up in your life, are you trusting God? Are you listening to Him? Or are you kind of doing it your own way? And if you've been doing it your own way, how's that been going? Angie and I were going to Cincinnati about a year and a half ago, and uh, there's a hotel we stay in by the river. We've been there a few times, so I knew the way. We get off the interstate, and we kind of come up with this red light, and I'm waiting to turn left. And I can see the hotel. It's just like five blocks. I see the top of it right down here. And we're waiting on the light, and she's, she's like, hey, honey, um, the, the app says we need to go that way. Like, well, that's not the way. We need to go right here. And I'm like, well, no, we're not going to do that. Right, so she shows me the app, and I look, and I'm like, hey, all right, we're going this way. Um, five minutes, turn left, turn right. Uh, it's like all these weird back channels, right? And it's just odd. I'm like, no, we're not going that way. This is, this is completely wrong. Like, it's right here. The app's wrong. We're going this way. So, sure enough, light turns green. We turn left. And then all of a sudden, I see why the app wanted us to go that way. The road's closed. And it's not just a little bit closed. Like, the road's gone. There's nothing here. It's for like five blocks. The, the entire road's been dug up, and they're laying pipes and stuff down here. Now, there's no quick turnaround either, so we got to snake through and go this weird way. It took twice the amount of time that it should have took for us to get to our hotel. All because I didn't want to listen to the thing that had more knowledge than me, right? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. See, I think God's inviting us to stop making our own plans and start trusting his instruction. Right? Like, I feel like for many of us, we do a good job of bringing our concerns and our cares to God, but I think we're going about it maybe the wrong way. Like, we're almost treating God like a suggestion box. Like we go up, we, we write down a piece of paper, it's like, Dear God, um, I need a new car. Thanks. And we leave it and we walk away. Ah, dear God, I need you to help me with my marriage. We set it down and we're gone. Dear God, what's my purpose? We leave it in a box and we're gone. But don't get me wrong. There's absolutely a place for leaving your cares and concerns at the feet of Jesus. But there's also a place for communication. There's also a place for conversation. And that re requires two ways. If we're the only ones that's always talking and we're just dropping our cares and leaving and not listening, that's not a conversation. How do we expect to ever hear from God? Or maybe it's like this. It's like sending a text and you're like, hey honey, um, I'm going to the store. What do you want to eat tonight? Like 15 seconds go by and you've not seen the dot, dot, dot pop up. So you're like, hey. Hey. Hello. Hello. You're, are you ignoring me? Why aren't you answering me? So now you're getting upset, right? It, it's literally been 22 seconds. <laughs> you're never this far away from your phone. Where are you? Fine, we're having hot dogs. If we don't get that instantaneous response from God, we go with what's quick and easy. We don't wait on him to hear what he has to say for us. 
say to us. Our prayers should be, God, guide my steps. Lead my path. Show me your direction, right? Then you listen and you act. And you trust that the way he's setting you is the way you need to be because God's in control. He knows, right? So finishing up the, the story here, it says, uh, the, you know, the king had just learned that Elisha was, was telling the king this. So he says, go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send the troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went out outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Now, again, my mind goes back to a military setting, but let's move it forward a little bit, okay? So, like, Dothan is this... It's this small town on a small hillside. And I see Elisha and his servant sitting in this little house. And suddenly they're surrounded by this invading enemy's army. Like there's tanks, there's Humvees and, and MRAPs and helicopters. There's a drone flying around. Like it looks pretty rough. It's a pretty hopeless situation. Like there was not even an indication that Elisha had an army with him or that he was guarded, or anything. And not even that, they, like they snuck in at night to surprise them in the morning, this one guy. It's this incredibly overkill response to capture one person. But what I find most interesting about this is that the whole reason that they're after Elisha is because God has been telling him about the troop movements of this army. Did they not think he's going to tell him about this too? Like, what, what was this guy thinking? It does, it, I find this absurd. So let me give you an example about this. We're going to do a math problem. All right, this is crowd participation. If you're not good at math, feel free to take out your phone and, and use the little calculator on it. But I'm going to try to keep it simple for you. My suggestion is when I ask you to pick a number is that you keep it between 1 and 10 if you want to do this in your, in your head. All right, so here we go. Everybody ready? Think of a number between 1 through 10. Don't tell me because I'm not going to remember 800 people in here anyway. All right, you got your number? All right, multiply by 2. Add 12. Divide by 2. All right, the very first number I had you think of, subtract that from your total now. 6, right? All right, let's do another one. Think of another number. Multiply by 2. Add 3. Divide by 2. Subtract that very first number you thought of from your total now. One and a half. See, I know you guys are sitting there thinking, like, oh, we got him now. He's got a decimal in there. He ain't remembering that. He ain't getting it. <laughs> now, nah, see? Mm -hmm. See, I knew. I knew. But, like, this is, this is what I see this king's going through. He's like, they, they already know. He knows what's going to happen. So, you know what? Maybe I'm not that crazy. I'm sending everybody. Because if I'm going up with Elijah and God, if I'm taking them both on, I'm bringing the house. I'm taking him all on, right? 
I'm going to need it. But it didn't matter. This king wasn't going to win. Why? Just like with this math problem, I already knew the outcome before you guys ever picked your number. And for Elisha, God already knew the outcome. It doesn't matter how many military people he brings. It doesn't matter how much artillery he brings. He wasn't going to win because God already knew. And this is no different for me and you. It doesn't matter the stuff that we go through, the trials, the hardships. God already knows. He's already gone before you. He already knows what's going to happen. He's in control of the situation. So back to our story. Elisha's servant, he goes outside and he sees this army. He comes back in. Elisha, we're surrounded. What are we going to do? They're coming. They're going to capture us. They're going to kill us. And Elisha, like I picture him sitting at the kitchen table. He's got his leg all crossed up. He's relaxing. He's drinking his, his cup of Purdy's coffee. He's reading the, the Dothan Daily Bugle. And he kind of looks up from his paper. He's like, fear not. It's okay. There's more on our side than on theirs. <laughs> I'm seeing his servant going, what? There's, there's, let's see. One, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. You crazy? Like, we're outnumbered. What are you talking about? There, there's, there's, there's just the two of us, and there's a huge army out here. What are we doing, Elisha? And then God asked him to reveal what he couldn't see. And then the, this angelic army just appears. I don't know if Elisha could already see this army, or if he just had faith that they were there. But I do know this. He trusted that God was in control of this situation. And he was comfortable in it. See, having confidence in God is knowing that he's got your back. So I wonder if this isn't us sometimes. I wonder if like when we're up against the wall and we're in those battles and we're fearful and we're scared and we think that, man, somehow God has left me alone in this situation. I wonder if that's not us like that servant thinking, how are we ever going to get out of this? Psalms 56, 1 through 4 says, Oh God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I'm constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. But when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me. See, Elisha had confidence that God was working for him. Why? Because he's done it before. He's been there before. He's helped him before so he can rely on that. He's felt comfortable and safe. Listen, I love that the worship team chose this week to introduce that song Surrounded. It was completely un unplanned. But listen to the words of the bridge of that song. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. Is that not this story we just read? It may look like whatever you're going through is too much to handle. It may look like your back's in a corner 
and you just can't deal with it. That you're, you see nothing but the enemy in front of you. But know this. God has you surrounded. When we were singing the song, did you see the little girl up here? Like, when he, when he was singing that, it may look like I'm surrounded by She was just... She was just giving it this. Man, why can't that be what we imagine when, when something goes bad? That we just see angels and God and Jesus. Like, they're just surrounding us like this. And we're protected. All we got to do is speak that truth. Man, God has us. He's going to take care of us. Finishing up the story in, in, uh, in Kings here, it says, as the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, and as, as Elisha had asked, and then Elisha went out and told them, You've come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you're looking for. He led them to the city of Samaria. And as soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Well, of course not, Elijah said. We don't kill prisoners of war. Give them food and drink and send them home to their master. So the king made a great feast for them, and then he sent them home to their master. And after that, Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. You see, Elisha extended God's grace to Arameans. He showed courage walking out and confronting them, and he showed confidence in God when he asked him to blind them. Now, Dothan to Samaria was about a 10-mile distance. And they're marching, they're walking, so it would have taken them, taken them about three hours. So I don't, when it says blind, I don't think it's like straight blind, it's black. I think it's some kind of a fog that they couldn't see real well. Some kind of vision impairment, I don't know. So they made this trip and they get there. And then they wake up when God removes the, uh, removes the blindness from them. And where are they? They're in the middle of Samaria. At the time, this is the capital of Israel. And they're surrounded by the entire Israeli army. They're like, and we're going to die. What are we going to do now? We're trapped. And so like the king, he's all excited. He's like, hey, we can kill them. We can end this war now. But Elijah's like, no, that's, that's not what we're going to do. He said, but, but we can do it. it. It's over. We don't have to fight anymore. No, it's not what God's asking. See, having confidence in God is believing and knowing that his grace is enough. Despite everything we've done, despite our past, God still wants the best for you. He loves you. His grace and unconditional love is just that free gift that all we got to do is accept. Right? And if grace can be extended to us, why can't we extend it to other people? Why is our first go-to malice? Why is our first go-to, I can't believe they did that to me? Why do we approach people with a sword and not an open hand? How dare they? I can't believe that. I'm going to get them, get them back. I hope they get what they deserve. God says, love your enemies. The best victory is not defeating your enemy. It's changing them.
right? So the Arameans probably thought, man, we're going to die right here. We're done. And I can hear them now when they start bringing food out to them. They're like, wait, what? You're feeding us? You're, you're going to send us back home? I don't understand. What, you're, after everything, we've, we've been trying to kill you, and you're, you're going to let us go? Maybe, maybe we've misunderstood you. How? I don't. After everything that we've done, how can you extend forgiveness to us? Maybe I want what you have. And then that's your chance. You introduce Jesus into their lives and you speak truth into their lives. See, God didn't come here to destroy humanity. Came to change our hearts. Came to change us to love Him and to love others. The problem we have a lot of times with having confidence in God is that we have too much confidence in ourselves. Israel could have easily been destroyed in this situation. But who would that serve in this situation? All it would do is feed the ego of the, of the Israeli army. Not glorified God. If you guys can stand, we'll get close. At the beginning of the message, I told you how my confidence went, was going down because I was nervous about having to follow the, this previous weekend. What I didn't tell you was this, this Friday, three days ago, about 2 a.m., I had taken uh, my USB flash drive with me to work. And I had a couple minutes of downtime, so I was going to pop it in and kind of go over it, make sure things were, were good to go for this weekend. And nothing. It's not working. Okay. I try another port, and again, nothing. Yeah, my message was gone. Not just that, I'm missing several messages now. And so I went from already sinking confidence to just, man, I'm going to ruin this weekend. I'm going to mess it up. I've lost my message. I'm having to follow a great weekend. What am I going to do? This weekend's going to be a disaster. But then the very core of this message became application to my life. I was putting too much trust in myself and not enough in God. And as you can see, God's faithful. So we're here today. These people are here to pray with you. If you've been lacking confidence in God, or maybe it's been shattered a little bit, or maybe a little waning, man, this is your opportunity. Come and pray. If you've been following your own path and your own direction and not listening to God, and you've gotten a little lost, opportunity come and pray I know it's tough to step out I know it takes some courage to do it but it's my courage is found in that cross and I know that God loves me and that God loves you he wants nothing more than to walk with you come and pray